Construct with Clark and Alyssa. So, have you been listening to other podcasts lately? Funny you should ask. Um, I actually, before you got here, I was doing my um, my typical Monday thing of laying on the floor, <laughs> slowly accepting reality. Oh God. <laughs> It's a thing I do. It's not a bad thing. It's just a... That sounds so sad. <laughs> laying on the floor, it's uh, it, it steadies my breathing. I lay flat. My muscles relax. I can breathe. Uh, it's it's meditative. Okay. And um, it's it's a bit strange. Not sad at all. No, not not concerned no, for just... your mental well being at all right now. <laughs> <laughs> I said laying on the floor. If I said curled up on the floor. <laughs> Then you should be concerned. I could connect the dots from one or the other. Some people are vague. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, if you, so you, you should li- worry about me when I curl up on the bathroom floor. Okay. That's that's when you know. While playing Mario Go... The, Mario Run. Mario yes. Run. Yes. If I am laying on the bathroom floor for two hours playing Mario Run, probably not okay. Okay. But the sun's coming out a lot more lately, so I think I'll be all right. <laughs> Anyway, wow, that's a weird start to the it's dark. I'm episode. sorry. That's okay. So you, so you were listening to a podcast though. Oh, um, as I was laying on the floor today, I, I, I decided I was looking at my podcast feed, and I'm like, this is a bit anemic. I'm gonna go look and see what's in the recommended podcast mm-hmm. um, section of my podcast application, and I just subscribed to like six new podcasts. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. So I'll run through them quickly. Um, let's see. The Childish Campino just put out a new single. Sorry, I am looking at the wrong part of my phone. So <laughs> <clears throat> I'm so excited. I love rap music, everyone. Um, one of them is Popcast, which is a New York Times podcast. And it's two people who, I mean, I've only listened halfway through one episode, but these guys have big ears, big ears. And, and their music expertise and... Um, knowledge of of the industry and their knowledge of the history of bands is quite extensive and it's um really neat the episode i'm listening to right now is about punk rock and indie rock in general and how a lot of people think that it's dead or dying or not as good and they're just like no 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 like look at how this genre has changed and how good it is and how different it is anyway so popcast it's a lot about music um Sorry, I'll try and make this a little bit shorter, but I'm so excited. So, podcast. I also signed up for a Slate podcast called Lexicon Valley. It is a podcast about language, from mm. pet peeves, syntax, and etymology to neurolinguistics and the death of languages. Also, Song Exploder, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Song mm-hmm. Exploder. Mm-hmm. Those guys like the access that they get to master tracks and stems is so frustrating to me because I would love to sit my band down and be like, Hey, can you please just play just the bass part? But like 30 seconds in the bass part to that one song. And they'd be like, yeah, sure. I have it right here. I would lose my mind. I could just spend like the rest of my life just picking people's brains about, Oh, can you just play a minute 30 on the bass or on the, just play the drums for me and tell me what, how that decision got there. Like I love that stuff. So song exploder, I also have Ungeniust, which is covering the weirdest articles found on Wikipedia. I like that. Yeah. I would listen to that. Yeah. And, hmm, I could have sworn there was another one, too. 
actually that's all I can find for now. But I, I was looking at a few others and kind of thinking about it. Um, but those are the those are the main ones. Anyway, that's very convenient because uh, I was listening to, a, uh, I think it was Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, and yeah. the beginning of their podcast talked about this thing called tripod, which month is March is the month of recommending podcasts to people who maybe don't know podcasts or Mm -hmm. recommending a new podcast to someone who loves podcasts. And that's tripod, uh, T-R-Y-P-O-D, right? It's play on words. So uh, I just figured I'd put a little plug in there because I think that's a great initiative. Mm. And there is a lot of wonderful podcast content out there that it's how I um, enjoy my my household chores and my drives to work and and just sort of uh, start and end my day with podcasts. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for that for a lot of people out there. And so you all should go out there, lovely listeners, and share, share a podcast you enjoy. And if you do find something that you really like, then not only tell us about it, but when you tell us about it at WordstruckPod on Twitter... Uh, include the hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D, and you'd be surprised at how huge this community is of people trying podcasts for the first time mm-hmm. and finding something that speaks to them. And they're like, I always, I think about this topic constantly. It, it engages me. It thrills me. And now I can listen to two interesting people or three interesting or however many people just talk about it just as I'm folding laundry. And that's such a beautiful thing. So uh, if you haven't tried a bunch of other podcasts, um, do that. And if you are like firmly in the podcast world, then go tell a friend, uh, pick something that you think would fit, you know, specifically tailored for that person to be like, mm-hmm. you know what, I think you would like this specifically this episode, check it out. So very good idea. But we, uh, we're not here today to talk about podcasts, unfortunately. No. Is there, what well, is there a podcast you need to get out of your system though? Um, there is one that I have tried recently that yeah, I enjoy. It. Um, it's, it's very brief and I'm learning a lot from it and it's civics 101. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's like 15 minute civics lessons. Uh, and it's been really interesting. They've asked some, they're, they're answering some reader questions now. Mm. So they've been talking about, um, that they, they, they're, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I would call them a liberal podcast, but there's a, there's a clear lim- liberal leaning in there, <laughs> mm-hmm. at least for the host. Um, and they've talked about, like, what does it take to impeach a president? And, um, oh, golly, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm blinking on some of the episodes, but it, it's, this is it's young. This started in January. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a direct response to a new presidential administration. Hmm. And so they're like, we have a lot of questions. And a lot of those questions arise from we maybe took a civics class, but we didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you weren't even required to take that civics class. So let's answer the questions that we feel you should know. What like what does the judicial branch do? And what does it take to replace a Supreme Court judge? And it, it's there are so many interesting, unusual civics questions that they've dealt with. And so I would highly recommend it. It's it's by New Hampshire uh, Public Radio. Yeah, and NHPR. Um, but it's largely dealing with national issues. So it's, it's not New Hampshire government focused. So still worthwhile for those of you not living in New Hampshire. Hmm. <laughs> and I'll have you know, over the course of you just telling me what this podcast is about not only have i subscribed to it but i've already downloaded six episodes really 
getting podcasts is that quick and that easy. And just like that, you can hear exactly what Alyssa is talking about and learn a little bit more about America, if that's your country, and America, if that's not your country. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's that easy to try out a new podcast. I'm already, to, I mean, I'm a click away from listening to any of those things now. Becoming a more uh, well-informed member of the electorate. So mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Yeah. So, but today we are here to share some more books that have shaped our lives Mm -hmm. and books from our past, a book from our recent past um, that we've loved or hated, but uh, we've got some questions that will prompt that. So, And those questions are located inside of this handy basket (laughs) that I love so much. You love it way more than you should. And I can just feel the eyes rolling and that's okay. I can see it too. You're across the table from me. So, <laughs> Alyssa, would you please grab a question out of this handy dandy basket? Oh, I would love to grab a question. So while okay. she's grabbing that uh, question, I'm going to explain this basket to you. This is a, a weaved basket in a um, rectangular shape, and it has pine trees painted onto it. And um, a little pine tree, little dangly thing on the front. It's almost tassel-like. Yeah, it's, it's tasseled on there with a little bit of, um, a little bit of twine. So that's the basket. What's the question? <laughs> we are we are like 10 minutes in and we have not talked about books. <laughs> All right, what you got? Okay, so Clark, I would love to hear some books that shaped your friendships or a book. Books that shaped my friendships. Oh boy. Um, I guess let me pull up my handy dandy list here that I always uh, forget to pull up until you actually ask me the question. <laughs> <laughs> Very common. Huh. Sorry, it is books that shaped my friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I'm going to have to go with um, The Social Animal by David Brooks. Hmm. This is one of those, you could call it self-improvement books. I like to think of it as a sociology book. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds sociology-esque. So I'll pull up a description here. I think you've told me about this. So I guess the reason why this book has shaped my friendships is because it helps me understand, um, I guess, the role of of what a friendship is and Mm. and what really emotions and and stuff and, and how... Boy, this is kind of hard to describe. But the book essentially talks about how society itself places a lot of emphasis on intellectualism. What you know, your IQ, your IQ how smart you are, how educated you are. And all of that, while important, you know, this is a postmodern society. We have realized that we are not simply animals, but we are these creatures of depth and, and endless curiosity. And we should be exploring and pushing boundaries. But... All of those things don't necessarily make for a meaningful relationship. And you can be as smart as you want, but unless you're in touch with um, your, I guess, emotions, then it's it's going to be hard for you to actually live a fulfilling social life and uh, and to actually love people fully if you're just focused on, on intellectualism. And I think that was important because at the time that I read this, which was a few years ago, I was still coming off the tail end of the idea that I was smart. 
and that and that somehow that mattered and somehow that was important and i feel like right around the time that i got this book i i started almost pushing against that idea of identifying myself as someone who is being smart like yeah you know i've been taking the higher level classes i've always tested well i got whatever on the sats and i put a lot of pride in my intelligence and this book helped take me down a few notches and and say not only like you you me personally so not you Mm -hmm. sorry me personally my strengths are actually more to do with with people and intuition and relationships and stuff like that and 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 pouring myself into people not with my knowledge and my wisdom and being an advisor to people and helping them figure out their situations with my smarts i am actually more able to help people when i can get in there and emphasize and listen and be a better listener Hmm. and and that by being an actual listener instead of someone who's listening and the whole time they're listening, they're trying to solve that problem and figure out a smart way to get them to understand the problem and how to solve it. I'm actually way better off just just loving that person where they're at and instead trying to seek out where they really are in that moment and, and to maybe not always empathize, but at least sympathize with them and say, oh, I see that. I see how that could be frustrating. Like, do you want to talk about, like, you know, like... It, it kind of helped me to start asking the question of are you t- telling me this because you want advice or because you just need to talk about it and like as soon as i started asking that question nine times out of ten they're like eh, i just kind of need to talk about it and i'm like awesome that takes the onus of responsibility off of me where i'm thinking of ways to fix your problem oh have you thought of this oh have you thought of this mm-hmm. well maybe if you just did this it took all of that responsibility off of me and instead let me just be in that moment with that person and and to feel that that was enough and that that was being a good friend even though i wasn't actively solving their problems i was there for them as a social animal and i feel like that helped me with my friendships quite a bit yeah that makes that makes your relationships way less about the riddle of yeah. their problems and way more about just the presence and respecting, like, we're here together and we want to be here together for whatever reason. And yeah, that doesn't have to achieve anything in the end. Yeah. And that's a lesson I have to learn over and over mm-hmm. and over again. But it is an important lesson. And I feel like this book helped equip me with the vocabulary to do that. It's awesome. Yeah. So... The Social Animal by David Brooks. That is a book that has shaped my friendships. How about you, Alyssa? What are some books that shaped your friendships? <laughs> As I read it out. <laughs> like, let me... <laughs> let me make sure I get the words exactly right here. this little note card here. Um, mine's a little less academic and uh, more... It's a lot about me discovering my identity growing up. Um, hmm. And it was... The Lord of the Rings books Ooh. and The Hobbit. Um, I I read The Hobbit in fifth grade, uh, which also happened to be the year that I met one of my oldest friends um, and one of my best friends. And we uh, went in fifth grade. It, our, our elementary school was um, K through six. 
Um, and so in fifth grade, we were starting to get to that point where we were kind of too cool for recess and like, <laughs> yep. And and we were not very athletic. We were kind of nerdy. Like we bonded fiercely over Harry Potter. Um, but we we were kind of over recess and all of that. So we started in fifth and sixth grade our own comic strip of Lord of the Rings characters. <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I am not. Really? I still have them. <laughs> and some of them were actually funny. And my friend was uh, actually quite good at, at, I mean, it was kind of rudimentary, kind of crappy illustrations, but you know who the people are. And like, she kept the same feel throughout all of them. And so it was wow. uh, one of the prouder things that I made in my young life. <laughs> I never knew you did that. <laughs> that is so funny. So we would, we would crack these jokes and create these little, little worlds of Lord of the Rings characters. And it started with like, I read the Hobbit and that was something that my dad really tried to get me to read. And I turned to it uh, after a, a night of nightmares and mm. it, it was a wonderful experience that we shared. But then the movies came out of Lord of the Rings and we saw those and that inspired us to read them. And we just sort of tumbled down this Tolkien world and and loved it and loved it partly because of the movies and partly because of the books, but mostly because we loved it together. Hmm. And um, I think if we didn't have that and we also, like I said, fiercely had Harry Potter, um, because we had those worlds to explore and live in and love our 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 friendship was able to uh, sort of have some ground to stand on when we were uncomfortable little mm. 12 and 13 year olds yeah, and yeah. we could always kind of retreat to these complex worlds with real people grappling with real things mm-hmm. and that sort of gave us uh a, a greater emotional understanding of each other, but also a comfort and a familiarity with each other. Yeah. And anytime we got to read... And a medium to like work through. Yeah. yeah. And, and anytime I read uh, Lord of the Rings, I have to think of this friend of mine because it, it, they're just so inherently linked hmm. and it's so wonderful. And I will uh, f- admit that I didn't ever get through The Return of the King, so I didn't even finish the <laughs> really? books. I didn't. I tried so many times. Huh. But I think part of that was she moved. And so, like, that oh. that connection was uh, sort of splintered. Um, and we, we are still friends. We're still fairly close, but it, it changed. And that so that book series is so firmly linked to that, like, three-year friendship Hmm. of growing up and us figuring out who we are and our finding pride in our identity as these like nerdy readers who aren't so uh, into like kind of the far end of the spectrum of nerdness, but just like enjoying, enjoying worlds and exploring them. Hmm. So that's beautiful. Yeah. It was wonderful. I love those books and I love that friendship. So (laughs) I'm glad for it. I kind of like that you, haven't finished them i think it adds kind of this idea of like because our friendship's still going like i don't know it's, it, it, it it just kind of like keeps think, it up in the air <laughs> i think it's some of that accountability too of when when like we had sort of an informal book club of mm-hmm. like she would she would in sixth grade we had a sort of like rotating classroom mm-hmm. so one teacher would teach math and one would teach reading and one would teach science and we had the same desk 
in each class <laughs> because our last names were close. Oh yeah, and yeah. um, and so she would leave notes for me, and I would oh I would that be in the next and precious. and we had like nicknames for each other from Lord of the Rings, and like they would a lot of the time be Lord of the Rings related. If you feel like and, sharing your nickname at all. No, I don't. You can. I know you wouldn't, but I I had to try. It's my um, responsibility. <laughs> I did raise the question. I am not going to answer it. Um, but yeah, it was it was so much. It was sort of an informal book club, and my book club member didn't share my desk anymore. So wow. Yeah. I want to change the topic because I kind of want to cry now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not out of sadness. No, it's a it's a very i like that story a lot good I'm glad. um i like sharing it yeah thanks for doing that so let's pick a new question with that shake of the basket means a new question do you want to pick it i've picked I've, I've picked a lot of these but i'll but, shake the basket for you okay sure <laughs> not, not so hard You're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> all right so particular you know, when I pick it, that means you have to go first. I know. I'm ah, ready. All right. Lay it on me. So, Lisa Small, is um, what is a book or books that shaped your philosophy? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Now I have to pick. I had two for that. Okay. A book that shaped my philosophy um, is called Captivating. Oh. Which I've told you about, I know. Um, is it's, that the, the cheat code for women, quote unquote? That is what you have called it, yes. <laughs> um, Go on. I think it's a little more complex than that. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's it's by a, a pastor and his wife, John and Stacy Eldridge. Mm. Um, and it's it's very much a Christian book. Um and toward the like the last third of the book, I I honestly could like cut that off and just discard it. But so much of this book has helped me understand who I am and understand uh, my relationship with God, my relationship with other people, my relationship with my father and mm. my mother, and all of that. Um, and it's just uh, altered how I uh, how much space I take up in the world. Mm. Uh, so uh, the, the sort of thesis of captivating is that uh, women in their heart want to know that they are lovely. And lovely is not something that is physical. It's it's lovable and it's, it's mm. captivating. It's am I this this person who is is enjoyable and and worth taking in Mm. um not just physically of course not just physically but emotionally and spiritually and interpersonally um but it also and this is the part this is kind of piggybacking a little on lord of the rings because i made a lot of lord of the rings references (laughs) in it um there's a second part about that and it's they want it women want to know that they are on that they are not just on an adventure, but they are a vital part of Mm. the adventure. And so while we might not always tend to be the leaders in, in a, in a great 
quest of whatever, like think of your job and whatever the the goal is or the motivation, whatever initiative you're on, you might not be the leader, but you want to be vital to the success of it. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you might not be the driving force always, but that's okay. <laughs> it's not. And so I, I was sort of um, raised around a lot of newsmakers and, and movers and shakers and, and people who seemed to be the ones who take the initiative. And I didn't always feel that that was true to me. And I felt some shame and frustration with myself for not being the embodiment of that that questing nature and also knowing that I wanted to be on the quest mm. and, and being frustrated that I, I couldn't I didn't own that leadership role always. And reading this book really spoke, like it gave me the language to understand that, oh, I, I don't always want to be the leader, but I want to be vital. Mm. And I want to have gifts that no one else has and be able to give them in a way that no one else can. And that is part of being and feeling captivating. And understanding this about myself and understanding this about the way the feminine mind works um, has also done so much for my relationships with other women and my understanding of my mother and my Mm. understanding of why my relationship with my dad can be sort of (laughs) rocky at times Mm -hmm. because a lot of little girls are are seeking that, that affirmation from their father that they are lovely and they are captivating and they are an enjoyable presence mm. and um, not all men know how to communicate that because not all men want that and mm. I think we communicate what we want to hear yeah like in order to love you I want to I want to show you that that you are loved and when I feel loved people show me this thing so mm. if I do that for you it's going to work because that is that is how people feel loved and that so is not how all people feel loved it's just how I feel loved yeah <laughs> and often that can translate into attention mm-hmm. it's a depth of understanding yeah it's, it's a depth of relationship it's not just i'm i'm noticing you it's i'm i'm engaging with you and i i i want to choose this relationship with you whatever mm. it is yeah. if it's a friendship if it's if it's a a, a healthy co-working relationship if it's a healthy brother sister relationship if it's a loving relationship. Mm. So it, I love that it, it's, it was a sort of frustrating book because it got a little too Jesus-y for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you get from as, the pastor and his wife. Right? As you do. Yeah. Um, it sometimes got a little, a little too much for me, but um, it did also help me understand my relationship with God mm. and, and sort of be okay with these needs that I have of, I, I want, to be found captivating and I am made in God's image. And so that is also a trait of God's. Hmm. And, and so it, it sort of broadened this world of mine and also helped me better interact with it. I think. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah. How about you? Cool. Thank you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, mine. Oh boy. I feel like we're kind of taking turns with the deep answers here. Um, the, Oh, can we have the name of that book one more time? Oh, that is Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge. Perfect. Thank you. Um, 
So books that shaped my philosophy. I'm going to, again, do a comic. Um, this is a comic. Dan is going to roll his eyes so hard when he hears this. Uh, so it's Steve. Hey, Steve. Thanks for listening, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, it is a webcomic by Evan Dom. That's Evan, E-V-A-N, Dom, D-A-H-M, called Rice Boy. And, Interesting. <laughs> yep. Rice Boy follows a small... I don't know, mushroom-looking thing with no arms and no legs called Rice Boy, and three um, and three other characters that are on a quest to help save the world, and they think Rice Boy is their guy. Um, and the art style is minimalistic. One thing that I love about this comic is it can go full chapters without any words. It goes full chapters where all of the words are symbols, and it creates um he reaches this point where he's talking to these like ant-like creatures and he's shrunk down to talk to these ant-like creatures which are like the very basis of creators of society turns out spoiler alert um no that doesn't actually spoil anything but these creatures speak using purely symbols a, a series of circles and dots and um by the end of the chapter you understand what they're saying and that like you're like oh i get what they mean by that even though i've never seen this language in my life um but the reason why it shaped my philosophy is that it focuses a lot on the ideas of of melancholy and drifting through life and just kind of taking life passively and and saying yes to things but not in an excited way but because it's like well nothing better to do may as well do this thing i don't think i'm your guy but i kind of don't have a choice now do i because you took me away from my home so uh how that ties into my philosophy i guess is because when i discovered this webcomic i was feeling very melancholy very as i look back now depressed i i didn't have that language or that realization at the time but looking back now very much depression and i was spending a lot of time in a dark gross basement and i was skipping a lot of class and sleeping in way too late and not leaving my room for a long time and i read this book of this little guy that was just kind of melancholy and and i think it shaped my philosophy because it it um I guess it made me okay. Hmm. I think it made me realize that even if you do have this weird haze over you, even if you are feeling melancholy, it doesn't mean that the world is over. It doesn't mean that you have no adventures left in you. It doesn't mean that you can't have meaning and add significance to this world. It just means that you need to put people in your life that push you forward. Hmm. And you need to if you're not willing to push yourself, then at least try and create a supporting network that will push you. And that can be very difficult to do, but it's also imperative. <laughs> if you wanna get out of a funk, if you wanna actually leave your house, you need reasons to do that. And um, I think it just made me feel validated and that like, 
I still matter, even though I feel pretty small right now. But um, small people who don't know what they're doing can still make a difference if they just show up and give it their best. And I think that was a message that I needed to hear at that time in my life. And I think that's why it resonated with me so much. Um, so even though it didn't really shape my philosophy, why am I in this world? What is this world? Why do humans exist? It, it um, shaped my personal philosophy of I am enough and I can exist. And even though I'm not perfect and I'm not where I want to be, that's okay. And there's still things to live for i guess <laughs> and i'm not trying to say like from like a super depressed point i was out of reasons to live but i was taking any reason i could get and this webcomic definitely hit me right where i needed it to and i feel like i understand that author better than i understand a lot of authors because it's like only like this guy went through all the hassle of writing this weird, armless, legless character that is a nothing, and this incredibly complex, visually stunning, but also simple universe. And I'm just like, I understand this person. And and it helps me realize just how minimalistic I appreciate my art styles and, and my desire to um, make things as concise as possible artistically. And I feel like that's, again, a lesson I keep trying to teach myself over and over and over again. Like, here's the message I want to convey. How can I convey it with fewer words? How can I convey it with fewer lines, with fewer colors? Um, and I feel like that is a challenge that I continue pushing on myself. And I hope that one day I'm able to tell a story as concisely and as interestingly as Rice Boy by Evan Dom. So that's my choice. Look at that. Tying it up with a bow. <laughs> There we go. That's cool. I want to check it out. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it might not be for everybody, but it might be. I don't know. That's the thing. Um, I should really go back. I, I mean, I've reread it like four times, but still definitely worth checking out. Um, you've reread it four times. Has it, uh, given you the same sort of comfort and, and sort of raised the same questions or have you grown with it? The second time, I was able to catch more details in the story and, yes, build out more of the philosophy and the lessons that I learned. The third and fourth time was purely an artistic study. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I, I was curious how he transitioned from this world, which was bright oranges and this arid desert and, and these hooded creatures, which would follow him around without saying a word, and and how he would, would go from that world to this cosmic underbelly of the universe where he would get on this this glowing blue hand that would take him to this throne and just how he how he would move between um worlds and experiences so seamlessly and and how he would do that with again his color theory and such simple line work and i just wanted to soak in every bit of that that i could so half and half it's it's partially to further you know get into that mindset and further my philosophy but it's also just as a pure artistic study which I think you could argue is also shaping your philosophy, just philosophy on art. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks. I talked a lot more than I expected to, but that's okay. So if you guys have answers to this question, um, where can where can they find us? <laughs> we would love to hear from you about books that shaped your friendships and that shaped your philosophies at Wordstruck Pod on Twitter. 
and on Facebook, Wordstruck, and also through our Gmail at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We would just uh, love to hear. And if you pick up any of the books that we mentioned, we'd love to hear what you think of them. Mm-hmm. If they struck similar chords or totally different chords, I think it, it's it's so fascinating how one book can mean so many different things to so many different people. So we would love to hear what your interpretations were and how they affected you. So Absolutely. And of course, we are a secret weapon production. And because for the sake of Tripod, um, we do have other podcasts, of course. Me personally, I have a music podcast called Into the Echo, where my friend Riley and I talk about the songs and albums that shaped and changed our lives. Uh, we also have, um, for for the writing folks out there and the people interested in, in the arts, there's a podcast called Slow Claps and Rewrites. And that is by our good friends Dan and Adair and... Um, Dan is largely a, a screenwriter and a novel writer type, I, I guess you would playwright say. Playwright type, too. Playwright, yeah. yeah. Playwright, screenwriter, uh, kind of that that genre of writing. And that's kind of where his focuses and passions lie. Um, and Adair is, um, while also capable of doing that, is, is quite a prolific poet. So the two of them discuss the craft, uh, the state of the industry, the challenges that come with trying to incorporate that into also having to pay the bills, also living in big cities. They're in Seattle and New York. So kind of trying to find a balance between creative forces and furthering your trade while also paying the bills and keeping up with the state of the industry. So that podcast, again, is Slow Claps and Rewrites. Uh, there's also Into the Echo. And my... Uh... I download and listen to all the time is Disney Channel Original Friendship. Yeah. Which watches Disney Channel movies and critiques them as grown adults, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So that is Dizzy Channel, D I Z Z Y, because uh, there is often a themed drink to go with every podcast, and they will have those drinks over the course of the podcast and it will just get progressively more fun and interesting and hilarious as they talk about uh, DCOMs. So definitely try that out. And if you like any of those, again, tweet us with the hashtag tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D, and we will definitely enthusiastically respond and and celebrate with you. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, The... Next season of Wordstruck, I guess we should take care of a little bit of business right towards the end here. Yeah. Um, starts up again in two weeks from when you listen to this. We will have our first episode of season three, where we will be reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So if you have not started reading yet, um, now's a good time. It's okay. To... You're with Clark. Yeah, you're with me. <laughs> Neither am I. That's fine. I think that they're going to take like a, a griffin that can talk, and it's going to be very interesting. I have no idea. We haven't talked predictions yet. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. <laughs> so excited. I think we're getting into a realm that you might be unfamiliar with. I think so, I because I, I think I knew enough about the previous two books that I could make some pretty educated guesses. I was still surprised, obviously. But um, next season, it really will be new waters. So all of that will be in your eardrums in two weeks' time. Thank you so much for sticking it out with our little vacation and bonus episodes. Thanks for letting us take a little break. It's been good for both of us and (laughs) our schedules. So thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. (laughs)